Jacob Chastain, I heard that y'all are on your break for the fall. I'm so upset, but I do want to know, have you done anything creative since you've been off on your break? Oh, yeah. I don't know why you're jealous about this. You literally had your break last week. I felt like I worked the whole time. I don't feel like it was a break. I need another week. No. Yeah, I mean, I did. I'm sorry. How long is your break? Uh, uh, pretty much so what y'all did. We were, so Thursday, we didn't have any students. Um, we did kind of teacher PD in the morning and then everyone else kind of went and did what they needed to do in the afternoon. Um, we did, that PD went really well too. It was actually really interesting. We had a lot of good conversations and then Friday, uh, well, that night I had a football game, so we we're all at the football game that night until about ten or so, and then Thursday or Friday, no school, but I had a volleyball game. Um, we lost, but it was fun nonetheless. We had a, a, a big old student section of all these boys just you know screaming for the volleyball people. It was nice and fun. I had to <laughs> quiet them down a few times, but they were good. They were good kids, and then. Um, obviously off this weekend, and then I'm off Monday with no requirements of anything to do. So wow, yeah, it's not too bad. It's it's kind of nice. Weird having an off day and then having to still do duty, and one of the weirder transitions into admin <laughs> is that you know the the holidays aren't the holiday necessarily. But uh, nonetheless, I did do some creative stuff. I actually used today to kind of relax. We've my wife and I've been. A little stressed, um, so I sent her to uh, a massage place this morning. It was kind of a little surprise, so she went and did that, and I stayed home and you know did my video game hanging out sesh with my new puppy, and just kind of sat around with my kid. Bought donuts this morning. Felt like a classic Saturday morning, so to speak. But then I got antsy, like I usually do, and I I made some music, just kind of. Wow. Uh, so I was doing that for a few hours before we jumped on here. And, you know, it's funny. We're going to talk about writing here in a little bit, us writing. But um, my friends, I, ha- I have a, a close friend group that I've pretty much known all of them since elementary school. And we're all, you know, readers. Well, most of us are readers or musicians. And we all, you know, keep each other. We keep tabs on each other with uh, the extracurricular things that we do. And they know I do the podcasts and stuff, but podcasting has almost become like a like a side profession. Like it started off as a hobby, but now like you know now there's two businesses built out of it. So it's like it's it's a uh, it's just kind of what it is. So I guess it's no longer a hobby once it becomes you know an LLC, right? So that is kind of off the other side. So the music is still the hobby, but then writing. But they've been they've been drilling me about what I should be writing next, and they want me to jump back into fiction and do all of that stuff. I've been toying with some things. But but, you know, with Craft and Draft just on the horizon, um, you know, that's definitely the next professional book. I squeezed rightfully empowered in between the germination of our book and, and that one. Um, but that was kind of out of necessity. I was like, I got to get this one out of me and get it put out there. But Craft and Draft is definitely going to be the next thing that's a major published work for me outside of articles and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just that so that's my creative juices. I, I I've been I actually you, you you'll be happy to know this. I opened up uh, our Google Docs and I was looking at all the stuff that 
we've been talking about. And I'm excited about this book. But since we're going that way, let me go. I'm going to go ahead and intro the show. Can I go ahead and intro the show, Ochoa? Because I feel like we're already trailing that way. Well, go right ahead. Jacob Chastain. <laughs> I'm Jacob Chastain. This is Craft the Draft, ladies and gentlemen. We are two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love, talking about reading and writing workshop and pretty much everything else around it. She talks about it from the classroom perspective. I'm talking about it from an admin perspective, but still within the classroom setting. We love what we do. We love talking reading, writing workshop, and our listeners and our dedicated people listen to us every single day do Love it as well. We've developed a nice little community, and that community is just going to keep building with the thanks of everyone who listens, shares, and subscribes. So if you haven't done either of those things, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. We drop one every single Friday. Leave a review if these podcasts connect to you or you just feel generous. That would be wonderful. But if you want to go the extra mile and get bonus episodes, bonus training, and access to a load of other things, exclusive content, including some merch, go join us on Patreon. You can find that link at craftandraftworkshop.com or you can search us Craft and Draft on Patreon. Just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, and Hannah have, they support us and they get all that bonus content that no one else sees out in the world. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to do some uh, housekeeping, so to speak, at the beginning of this episode and then jump into our topic of the day. But welcome to Craft the Draft, ladies and gentlemen. All righty, Miss Ochoa. So here's the thing. There's a couple things I want to talk about before we jump into everything. So, you know, our book that is in the works. We had so we had someone message us. This is going to be connected to uh, Thank you Angela. Yes, Angela emailed us and she said, "I want to teach using the workshop model. I have put your podcast Craft and Draft on my annual learning plan. That's capitalized." Ocho and I were talking about this a little before we came on. I'm assuming that's like a like your your learning plan for your your campus, right? For your uh evaluation and whatnot, which if that's the case, that's wild. And we thank you. That's pretty cool. Um, But she says, I'm working my way through your episodes. Is there an episode that addresses how to grade when using workshop? I teach 35 students in grades seven and eight in Ontario, Canada. One more question. Is your book on craft and draft been published yet? I need it. So we're going to answer – we're going to talk about that grading question in a second because that leads us to something else. But I want to talk about the second part. <laughs> so uh, writing – this is the thing, guys. We're, we've been experimenting and, and having conversations about how we want to do it because for those – you know, you all know this already. My – uh, my two books both came out through Dave Burgess Consulting. Um been very nice uh, for craft and draft. You know, we we want to do something a little special, and that might be something that happens with Dave. It might also be something that happens with someone else, or really, kind of our vision at this current moment is is partnering with you guys and really setting it up to where we can do something really unique. We have a unique platform with Patreon and the podcast, and you guys are so uniquely tied to it. I think there's going to be a way for us to really work our way through the publishing process that is a little bit more down to earth and a little bit more connected to you guys um, and, and almost bring you guys along for the process as well, because y'all are the reason this stuff exists. And obviously, you know, we want the book to reach other people and go all that way. But really, the the reason why we 
do all of this and why we want to put a book together at all is because the book would be, you know, the, the, the cornerstone, the foundation of, of everything here. And we want to be able to give someone, you know, the, the right tool to where they don't have to listen to, you know, 112 podcasts to get the content. They could literally, if they wanted to do the shortcut and get all of the core stuff that we talk about, get it into the book. So that's our vision for it. And here's the thing. It's coming, but Ochoa put her head down when we started talking about this. Because <laughs> Ochoa is a problem. <laughs> That's not true. It's oh, just, okay. It's, it is I just showing. always, I well, I just always feel like I'm the problem. But it's okay. It's okay. It's maybe my own weaknesses. No, you're. Here's the thing, guys. We have. It's definitely in progress. We wanted to, yes, the reason I want to talk about this because we have been writing. You know, we have we have a very. Uh, and this is how I wrote my other two books, too. You know, I have times where I don't write, and then when I have extended periods of time, so like Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, I knock out tons of word counts, which is my goal this fall. The same way I did Rightfully Empowered, I would say 60% of that book was written between Thanksgiving and Christmas due to um, the breaks and the weekends and whatnot. Teach Me Teacher was roughly the same. Teach Me Teacher took longer just because it was a different book, but... Um, you know, craft and draft. It's the thing is, is that we want to honor the research that we've done. Um, Mm -hmm. we want to honor, we want to make sure that the people that read it are connected to the deeper things that we talk about. We reference them on the podcast, but in book form, we want to, we want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and, and connecting all the ideas that are relevant to other people and differentiating that between some of our original ideas, which are definitely going to be throughout that. But we we strongly believe in the in the lineage that we talk about all the time and giving credit where credit's due. So that takes time and it takes time to do it right. And that way, not only will you guys, when the book does come out, have access to uh, something that's useful, but you'll also have you know an, a, an a plethora of resources probably connected based on research and other things that we reference. So, um, Ochoa, thoughts on the book uh, about where. What are you what what are you most excited about? I don't even know if we've asked you this. What are you most excited about in terms of, of other than, you know, getting your genius on the page, Miss Ochoa? Because you probably yes. should have written a book a long time ago. Yeah. I know. But, I have like a lot of starts. That's yeah. my problem. So so what is it what is it that you're hoping comes from it? Well, I mean, I'm hoping that when we find when I finally get my part done, <laughs> I'm hoping it makes sense. That's probably my number one. <laughs> but, you know, what I really want is I want, um, well, I was, I was telling this to my students the other day. It's like I have to them, I have quite a bit to offer. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I've probably forgotten things. Like, I'll find notebooks and stuff that I've written in and things that I'm like, that's right. I used to, yeah, you know, I need to go back and do that. That was great. You know, so I I think a lot of it is I have quite a bit of information that I've, I've gained over the years. And it's kind of like with Linda Reef, you know, I I listened to your episode there on Teach Me Teacher and one of her comments, and I think you mentioned it last week or whatever, but that, you know, Donald Graves told her, you haven't told your story yet. Because I think my problem is really listen to that. That was almost like me. In other words, what do I have to offer that's not already out there in print? And that idea of 
my story being out there, the things that I've done in my classroom, you know, they are worth mentioning. And it's a matter of me having confidence to to put it down on the page Well, and, and let others read it. Connected to that. One, shout out to all of you guys who send compliments and who comment oh, yes. and whatnot because – when we, I don't know if we've ever told this story, but when we, <laughs> when I was convi- like trying to convince Ochoa to do a podcast, <coughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to choke you up, Jacob. Oh my God. Are you okay? Yeah, I don't know. It's like a dust moat got in my throat. Anyway. <laughs> When I was trying to convince Ochoa to do a podcast, you know, it spawned because, you know, obviously in our early days of working with each other, you know, we would just talk and, you know, be able to, it's rare to find people in your immediate, immediate vicinity who can, you know, talk about the same professional development, talk about the same, you know, thinkers and researchers and whatnot. And so that was cool. But then we, you know, started working closely together and we would have these long conversations on the phone for like an hour about teaching and English and workshop. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Cho, we, th- we got to do a podcast. We'll, people will listen. You know, it'll be very niche and it'll be very specific, but we'll eventually find people who want to talk about workshop and teaching and in the real world of workshop, not this, you know, perfect idealized version but something that's raw and then she didn't believe it and then lo and behold we have you know a nice little audience over here on craft and draft we have patreon supporters and that was surprising to her at the same time but you guys when y'all reach out and y'all say things it blows her away because here's the thing ocho is a genius but she's she you gotta you gotta spur her on so you guys who send compliments y'all just send a lot to ochoa and that way that way she <laughs> But it does. It really does help. I mean, it helps anytime when the audience communicates, which is why I love Craft and Draft so much because I feel mm-hmm. like we know so many of them because they comment and whatnot. So anyway, all of that to say, uh, book's coming. We're in the process. We're going to do a lot of work. I'm sure we'll have some updates soon. But I have some other housekeeping items here. I want to I – and this is a formal invitation. I don't know if anyone's going to take us up on it, but I hope someone does. Mm-hmm. We want to partner – with a listener who knows our podcast really well and who has some time on their hands to go back. We want to list every question that we've ever answered on the podcast or that we could do a hyperlink. And once we build this, we can take it from there and kind of do it. Um, but here, I, I don't have the time at this exact moment in my life to go back and listen to all of our episodes to find all the, and it's not even all because we started doing the questions like almost like halfway through the podcast, so maybe around episode 50 or so, maybe a little bit earlier, but um, someone to go back in, make a list of the question that was asked and with the episode, and that way we can make a nice page either on the Patreon or the website. And that way we can just reference it. Cause people ask us questions all the time. A lot of them we've answered. Sometimes we don't mind re-answering them, but it would be nice to be able to have a, a directory of when, when we answered it, the time of the episode that we did it. And then the episode. So if someone is willing to do that, uh, reach out to us. If you're a Patreon supporter, uh, we got you. I think we can uh, we can make it worth your while a little bit. We can partner um, and and do all that. So if you want to do that, reach out. Even if you're not a Patreon supporter and you just want to be super helpful, that would be amazing. Um, and then from there, lastly, the last order of business before we move on to the content is uh, our Patreon tier we're going to change as you hear this it's going to be changed already but our 
tier, once we hit 20 patrons, we're at 15 right now. So um, once we get five more, I think uh, we're going to do our, we're going to change it to be a Zoom hangout once a month. So once we have 20 patrons, uh, we'll just pick a day and maybe reach out and see what anyone has to say. We'll create like a little agenda for an hour, hour and a half maybe, and just invite all patrons to everyone ha- will have access to it regardless of your tier, let's have a Zoom hangout where we can talk shop. Y'all can bring your problems. You can bring what was happening that week or whatever. We can. It's not even contingent on us. It's just a, a nice community to where you guys can talk to each other. Y'all can feed off of each other. We can jump in and do all of that. Maybe we have a problem. Y'all could get into the, some of the, the outside conversations that Ochoa and have off air and whatnot. I think it'd be, <laughs> it'd be a nice, cool community. And it's It'd be fun. Maybe I can learn. Uh, you know, I I look forward to learning from everybody That's too. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it'd be good because we kind of had that even when we did our Zoom training. You know, they you know they they bringing everyone together. You know, people had some comments to say to each other. So I think it'd be cool. Just a nice little low key hangout, nothing recorded, and that way it can just be honest teacher talk with us on Zoom. So that'll be the next tier. So if you are waiting to join. Uh, Patreon, do so. Once we hit 20, we'll start making that happen. But regardless, let's get to this first question, Miss Ochoa, because Angelina or Angela, sorry, because she had asked about uh, grading when using workshop. And this is a conversation I've actually had um, with some teachers at my campus, but I'm curious because I know we've answered this before, which raises our need for someone to go through so we can make a list. But when you think about grades in your workshop, because it's something that comes up all the time, I literally have a whole chapter in Rightfully Empowered about grades uh, because of this. But when you think about grades in a workshop, how do you, is there a difference between the non-workshop teacher taking grades and the workshop teacher taking grades. Is there a fundamental difference in where those grades come from? Well, I think there is. Uh, To me, a lot of my grades comes from the process. Uh, I give a lot of process grades. Uh, So, and their daily grades are kind of a little bit higher than their test grades due to that, because of that. Um, But yeah, when... When I when I uh, do process grades, and so like when they do that sharing strategy or something like that, then then I will give them credit for for doing it. So either they did it or they didn't, or they did it or they halfway did it. You know, I kind of just look at it, but mainly most of them, you know, when they know that they that you know they start out the way I do it on process and stuff, they all start out with a one hundred. And they can only lose that 100 by not doing everything I ask them to do. Does that make sense? In other words, if I want them to share and they didn't, they go ahead and they give feedback, but they don't really share their own writing because they didn't have it, which hardly ever happens. But let's just say sometimes it does every once in a while where they, I've lost my notebook or I, you know, which, but anyway, when that happens, then it's like, well, you had a 100, but now. You don't, but you did give feedback, so that gives you a 70, you know, that kind of thing. So that is not really, that's just my own little thing. Uh, I think when people don't give grades, I mean, uh, you're saying traditional grades, what is the difference? I think the difference mainly is on the product. I think they're grading the product, and it's either, um, and, and 
I'm messing this up. But anyway, let me go back because now you know it's really not planned. <laughs> we have to say because I'm messing that up. But I mean, I do everything I just said. What I'm messing up is I should have been clear and said that when they turn in their final product or when they do a, a paper, it's usually done by a rubric of some sort. And the and the students participate a lot of times in that rubric. They know exactly what I'm going to be looking at because. Because we together as a class look back over our our craft book and we determine what we've been teaching. So what have we learned in this unit? What are things that, what are the mini lessons about? And then from there, that's where I grade. I grade off of what, you know, what we've been learning about and what their mini lessons on. So, so that's usually a rubric set up based on what's in our craft book and what have we been teaching in the mini lessons and the other things we've been doing, like with editing and things like that. So that is how I do that. But I think if you're a traditional teacher, and when I used to be a traditional teacher, my questions for my tests and things like that were pretty arbitrary. It was more, um, you know, we had to do 100 questions in an hour. So, you know, those were like what color was the character shirt, you know what I mean? Just yeah, things you, that don't matter. When you get to that level of like that amount of questions, you know uh, that they're just poor quality, or at least a lot of them. Yeah, are. yeah, very poor quality. And but back then they weren't really, you know, it was more like the quantity, not the quality. And of course, I'm glad it's now more about the quality, but really it's about the process and the product. Um regular, you know, non-workshop teachers. Everything's about the product. In other words, did they finish the worksheet? Did they, you know, and then they, they do a lot of math. If you ask me, and they're like, this is, you know, 10 points off of this. And then uh, when it comes to the grammar, you know, that's where my teachers used to give me two grades and one would be the grammar and they would tell me how bad it was and how many, and then they would like mark all over the page and write redundant across things where I repeat or do something like that and then give me uh, content, you know, 70, grammar, 50. You know what I mean? It, it's, it was disheartening. And so I think that happens still. But I think you get a lot more worksheets and fill in the blanks and things like that uh, because it's become about the grade and about the product and not necessarily about the learning and the process. So, so. can I uh, indulge for a minute? Yeah, please do because no telling what I said. You may have to edit most of that no, out. <laughs> you're, you said exactly what I was thinking. So I have, <clears throat> I, I grabbed a, a rifle empowered. It was next to me, but on my chapter on grades, this is what I say. I, I talk about the spectrum oh. of grading. I said the more grade centric your class is, the more power you take away from students. When you remove authentic purposes from writing, there's very little authenticity to grades. You remove voice, passion, and soul. You create an artificial landscape of winners and losers. Writing becomes a high-stake task where punishment or consequences loom over the writer's heads. The more feedback-centric your class is, the more power you give to students. You encourage them to explore, take risks, and use their voices for authentic purposes. Their souls come out and play in the world of words and creation. By lowering the stakes of writing, it flourishes in many different shapes, colors, and styles, mimicking the diversity of the young people sitting in your class. It uh, So <clears throat> the idea there is 
I don't care where grades come from necessarily. It's all about what are your by taking grades, what are you encouraging? I think that is a better question than where do you get your grades? Not that that isn't a good question, but it's 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 almost like it, we need to tweak that a little bit because wherever I'm taking grades, I want my grades to as accurately as possible represent the learning that's happening in a classroom. And so when we talk about workshop, when we're really diving into workshop and kids are reading and writing and they're following their interest with the guidance of our mini lessons and conferences, what is it that we can take grades on that genuinely reflects what they're doing? I think one of those things is uh, process, 1,000%, right? I was kind of like you. I took a lot of grades on process. And that's a weird concept, right? Because it's it's almost uh, antithetical uh, to the traditional school model. I know talking with um, some of the high school teachers I've been working with, that concept is is really foreign because it seems, I, I think on the surface, it seems like a gimme grade the same way that independent reading seems like free time, right? Or independent mm-hmm. writing seems like free time. On the surface, it's it, it kind of looks like that, but it's, it's all about execution. You're right. When Linda Reef talks about setting the writing goal of her students, you know, roughly three to five pages of rough draft a week. She knows that that's a great uh, goal for students and, and can also be translated to a grade because what's happening if a kid is drafting three to five pages a week, they're writing a lot. They're thinking a lot. They're synthesizing a lot. And if you're a teacher who is not only saying this is your goal, but you're conferencing with them as much as possible during the week. You're doing targeted mini lessons based on your conferences. Your kids are going to grow. You know that that is a good measure of of where they're at and the process they're going. And honestly, it's uh, it's 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 an equitable way to grade because the traditional model of grading is let's say you're you're writing an essay and you want your kids to use a certain format, an outline, you want to go through the whole process, but you also want certain things in there. Maybe you want some figurative language, maybe you want a cited source, whatever, whatever you're you're writing, right? If you make it all about those things, you're only grading the end product. But you're not honoring the the process that it took there because the end product from a kid who has had great teachers, uh, 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 great access to literature or to um, just a, a bunch of different modes of communication, kids that just have had different access, they're going to do better on that final product than the kid who hasn't had any of the things that might be really struggling. But if you turn this over to a process grading or at least a a section of it about the process you're you're even you're you're creating an even playing field for kids who might not have that access so a kid who might be massively struggling in your class that really can't string you know grammatically correct sentences together let alone add you know whatever elements that you're trying to get them to add into their piece i think you honor that in a way that uh, that encourages them to keep going right it's not it's not even the playing field so that they never get pushed to the next level. It's encouraging them so that they want to try to get there, right? As teachers, I feel like we like 
we we talk so often about you know you know we we got to get kids to have grit and we got to push them and we have to do all of these things and that's true and we want to move kids and we want kids to be resilient and all of that but we we don't you don't have to do that through giving them 50s and 30s and and 20s on on everything you can litter you can take a kid who isn't performing very high, but give them a, a process grade that's that's relative to the work they're doing. Let's say they're working their butt offs and it's still bad. They can still have a B, an A in your class, and that way they feel encouraged. They get inspired. So when they when you come to them, they're not just waiting for you to dole out whatever criticism you have upon them. Now they're now they want, they start reaching out more. They start saying, hey, Ochoa, come to me. Can you look at my piece? Can you do this? Am I thinking about this correctly? How is this sound? They start opening up more. So they start writing more. So they start producing more. And all of a sudden, then you have growth and growth that'll never happen if all you say is turn this in. Wait, mm, it's not that good. You get a 40. And I think that that conversation around grades, I think, needs to be, I think that is what we need to kind of push a little bit more. What do you think? No, I agree with you, and <clears throat> I think we want them to to strive to become better writers, not better. You know, uh, I I don't know. I had a conversation with with a colleague, and uh, uh, my this colleague was um, you know from high school and taught at the highest senior level. You know, in those college courses where GPA and all of that really really matter. And wanting, you know, discussing grades and how to grade stuff, it was more like, well, it's not very good. They can't put, like you said a minute ago, they can't put together a sentence. The, their their paragraphs are are weak and all of this. And so, you know, I'm going to go ahead and fail this kid. And I'm like, well, you could, but how hard did the kid work to get there? I mean, where did they start and where did they end up? And here in the middle school and elementary level, it it is not about GPA at this point. It's about learning the content. And to me, let's go back and reteach. Let's go back and and keep conferencing with that child until they get it. And to me, that is more important. And I think the students feel that you care when, when you do it like that than, you know, just putting a a high number on there because you think that high number means rigor. Now, rigor means working hard to get to the next level to meet that goal you're talking about. That's what rigor is. Rigor, anytime you ask a student to read or anytime you ask a student to write and they're actually doing it and you ask high-level questions and you have them create wonderful pieces like what you do with the poetry and things like that, then and you give them choice, so they have to make a decision of what to write about. You know, all of that is working the brain at a pretty high rigor when it's all said and done. That you don't get from a worksheet. You don't get from closed uh, uh, questions. You know, you need the open question. So anyway, that's um, that's kind of how I feel about it. And uh, I try to give them a grade wherever I can that's going to be helpful. To them, I'm not. I'm not about failing the kid. I'm about, like I told you, you know, what can we do better next time? And then I do a lot of reflective, and I, I know you do too, where they go back in and they answer reflective questions about their work, 
and uh, they talk about their work. What do you plan on doing next time? Did you, did it, you know, did it get received the way that you wanted it to from your peers, et cetera? If not, what can we do next time? How does it compare to your favorite author? You know, that kind of stuff. It was really neat the other day. Um, we were reading a book together and the students were like, oh, Miss Ochoa, are you sure this, here's their comment. It was so cute. Miss Ochoa, is this, is this a real story? Is this a true story? Because, or is it fiction? Because all the details make it seem like it's real. <laughs> it was a fiction story. And I said, well, actually y'all just wrote a story and now you know what I'm talking about. And he goes, I now see why you wanted us to put those details in. So anyway, it was just kind of neat. So see, knowing that, now let's give him back a story and see what he can do with it now, that he has an, a clear understanding of what details really mean. Anyway. Well, I think it's uh, it, it's such a good topic. And uh, here here's the thing. Even as an admin, right? So the questions that I've been driving at uh, with with some of my teachers, right? Remember, I'm I'm over English and world languages, so I'm out I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm in my comfort zone. It depends on on the the time of day and who I'm with. <laughs> but I actually I feel really comfortable with the world language people because it's not that different. They they do certain things, but it's still the 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 goal is the same. I think we talked about that uh, last mm-hmm. episode, or maybe on the bonus episode, but um, talking about just how the some of the similar goals in, in language acquisition is the same for uh, workshop teachers regardless. So I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take it somewhere else and then bring it back. So we had, a, I've been dealing with a student who is not being successful right now. He's struggling. He's, I mean, he's getting written up and in, in the past, like seven days, he had over 10 write-ups, right? Um, mm-hmm. He is a unique case. He has a lot of unique things that are going on with him. But I've been working with him um, and his family. And so I I know his mom at this point, you know, and we talk. And she's been very – she's been very – she she thanks me a lot for you know being patient and stuff. I'm like I'm not out to get kids. That is not why I do this work. It's not why I do my job. Now I do do a lot more discipline as an admin than I ever did as a teacher, one thousand percent. But every time a kid walks into my office, I am trying to build a relationship, one thousand percent. And honestly, ninety five percent of the time it works because I see those kids in the hallway later. You know they fist bump me. I had a kid that I suspended who came back and now he talks to me every single day. Ask me how my day is, you know, like, but it's because I take the time because I'm not punishing just to punish. I'm trying to show that there's consequences for your behavior, but I still, I don't hate you. You're a kid, right? Right. I do not think anything less of you. I think you made a bad decision and I want to teach you that there's consequences, but when you come back, we're good to go. Right. And so as an admin, I've been, I've been struggling with this one student and I went to my principal and I said, here's the thing. I was like, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can for this kid because I don't want to, because if I was going just straight by the book, he would be suspended almost every day. Right. And I was like, what does that do? What, you know, sometimes suspension works, right? Sometimes under the right circumstances, it's, it's the big enough consequences that really does set a kid right. Cause their parents get mad and they're like, well, I don't want to do that again. Right. And they, it's whatever. But for some kids it's a reward or for some kids it's, 
it's not a reward or anything bad. It's just like, okay, now they're outside of school and now they're doing other stuff. And so I had that conversation. I said, what is our purpose with this discipline? Am, am I punishing him or am I trying to improve behavior so he has a better life? So bring this back to the classroom. If we're giving kids grades based on any number of things, regardless of what you're doing, right? Let's set that aside. But whatever grades you're doing, sit back and ask yourself, are your grades yielding the results that you want? One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was my first year of teaching. My academic coach at the time came by. I had a bunch of kids failing. uh, And that was mostly my fault. (laughs) I I had a bunch of kids failing. And he said, Chastain, I'm never going to tell you how to do your grade book. I've also used that line multiple times. But he says, here's what I know. Grades build relationships. Use your grade book as a relationship builder. If a kid's struggling, use that as an opportunity to show them where they can be, right? Don't use it. Don't use it as a hammer, right? Use it as a mm-hmm. rope. And I think that I is... Like that. I, I And I've, I just... every Almost every aspect of how I teach lead, think, it comes down to that. It's what actions am I doing today, right? What fruit, not to get biblical, am I bearing by (laughs) my actions? What is coming from my decisions here, whether that is this and that? And I think that it's also the conversation we have to have as teachers and we should challenge each other too is, you know, we can get frustrated all day from kids making bad choices, from parents not supporting kids the way um, the kids should be supported or or the system not supporting teachers and students and admin the way it should. All of, We can get frustrated with that all day long, but it doesn't help the needle. At the end of the day, we have to look at ourselves and look at our colleagues and go, what are we doing to get the results that we want, regardless of our circumstances? And so on this grading, I really do think about it that way. It's... You know, it goes back to one of my favorite interview questions, which is, do you believe a kid should ever get a zero? I think you can argue yes and no on both sides of that. But I think the reason why you argue yes or no tells me a lot about how you think about school and how you think about kids and how you think about grades. Um, And so when we're looking at our classrooms and looking at our practices, it's does this give us the results at once? And this, this, I think that question spans everything in your classroom, right? There's people that do bell ringers that are fun and whimsical or whatever. But it's also you sit back and go, is this bell ringer useful for anything? I did quotes all the time. I One of my early bell ringers I did, Ochoa, was I had quotes every day. I thought this was a genius idea. I was like, I'm going to do quotes. And then I had <laughs> it was it wasn't the same academic coach as uh, the person I was as Kate Nelson. I can I can say her name. She was on Teach Me Teacher. She was the person who uh, she basically changed my teaching practices. But yeah, I, li- I like Miss Nelson. I know her. She's incredible. But she looked at me mm-hmm. and she goes, "So what are your what are you wanting to do with your quotes?" <laughs> and it was such a it's such a great question because honestly, my my goal was to you know, get them thinking, but it was more of a distraction than anything. It was a time waster. And so she pushed back a little bit. And so I had to reevaluate. Now it's not saying you can't use quotes. I'm just saying my reason for using them was not sound. It wasn't, I, it wasn't supporting my ultimate goal in the classroom. And I think, I think that's the unique conversation around grades. And I think that's what honestly you and I both talk about a lot is 
you know, there's times where multiple choice represents what we're doing in the classroom, right? A multiple choice mm-hmm. exit mm-hmm. ticket or review absolutely has a place in a tra- in, in, in any classroom. I almost said traditional, but really any classroom, right? Mm-hmm. I did plenty of those in workshop. But it shouldn't be the bread and butter of what we're doing because the bread and butter of what we're doing isn't multiple choice. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist because we still have tests and everything else, but it should go there. I don't know. I felt like I I, I went around the block on that one. But how do you feel, Lachoa? Where Where's your mind at about grades right now? <laughs> well, I was um, looking at, I was reading one of Ralph Fletcher's books about rhetorical writing and teaching it. Anyway, and it he, he, this caught You're my. You're reading one of his books right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. She just kicked back, it. opened a book. She's like Chastain's on another one. I'm just gonna read for a little bit. <laughs> no, I had found this earlier, so I, I pulled it up. But it, he said in this little paragraph, he says, "I've learned to ask myself a tough question: Is my instructional approach aimed at helping?" my students to read and write better or helping me to grade more easily. Oh my God. What a great quote. I love it. See? so much. What book is that from? Um, hang on. Uh, it says rhetorical book. Uh, hang on. I got to get the, it's on my Kindle. So I got to get it smaller where oh I can. Oh my goodness. I have to, I need to post this on teach me teacher. I love that quote so much. Yeah, let me see what I love is. Ralph. I, he was amazing to talk to on Teach Me Teacher. By the way, yes. have you do you follow him on Facebook? No, I don't. So maybe I should. I don't know if he has a page or you have to friend him or whatever, but he has yeah. uh amazing he's an amazing photographer. He does na- he does nature photography. Oh, but it's not it's not Ralph Fletcher, it's Jennifer Fletcher. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, I thought it was Ralph. Did you I say Ralph? Fletcher. No, I did on Oh, accident. you said Fletcher. <laughs> Yeah, but it was Fletcher, and I said Okay, Ralph regardless. Okay, well. Either way, I love Ralph Fletcher's books. I get him, too. <laughs> he is great. All right, continue. Sorry. No, you're good. Tell us what you're going to say about him. He does what now? No, he's he's a great photographer, but his latest book um, was him bridging the the stuff he does with photography to writing. And it, it was really great. It was, I really loved what he had to say, but anyway, continue with this, this beautiful quote. Did you tell Jennifer me where the, the Fletcher. Jennifer Fletcher? It, I don't, what, I don't know Jennifer Fletcher. I think, I think what happened was this particular book, it's on Kindle and it, Oh, I got the, it the, the rhetoric books. Yeah. The, the writing teaching. rhetorically. Yes. Funny. Hang on real quick. Funny. I yeah, know. Go this ahead. Is, I don't you know to. her, don't you? Well, <laughs> so you do, you know, everybody, I don't know her, but Stenhouse, I know half of the people, you know, when I was, I was sponsored by Stenhouse before I was sponsored by Heinemann on teach me. Teacher. Yes. This is a Stenhouse publication. Yes. You're so smart. I know. Well, she had sent me or not she, but they had sent me her book. So I've read teaching literature rhetorically. I have not read writing rhetorically, but my life mentor, uh, Stacy Hammer, who is uh, an amazing human being, she actually mm-hmm. just recently reached out and told me to have her on uh, the podcast. Maybe we could reach out and see if she wants to do craft and draft. Hey, that might be a good idea. Since because... recording her right now. Right. And I the love thing that is, quote. yeah. And I, you know, I've had this book, I, I pull down these books, you know, and then when I'm I'll read them. And so, um, cause they're on my Kindle. So that's, you know, now I mm-hmm. usually have most of my books there, but I had read this earlier today, but this whole entire book was where I got the idea of what I told you I might want to talk about. And she's talking about 
prescriptive writing versus, you know, purposeful writing, Mm -hmm. not prescriptive writing, and using rhetorical strategies, but not necessarily prescribing a particular type of strategy. And, uh, but anyway, she was just talking about how, and that one area is what happens is when we, when we give these kids rules and we grade them, did they follow this rule? And we grade them, did they, you know, on that, like, let's just do compound sentences. Did they coordinate, use the correct coordinating conjunction and have it punctuated correctly? Let's just say that. That's all we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And then we just, so what happens is the student quits worrying about, according to what she said, if I'm interpreting it correctly, based on what I read today, they are, they're worried more about the rule that you just gave them and they lose this solving the problem. What you said earlier, uh, synthesizing and and creating and and doing that it all becomes about getting that grade by following the rule and so she she said that we should teach by guidelines when we teach writing not by prescription and so there's a whole chapter that's devoted to that and that little sentence was in that chapter so I was kind of fascinated and when you said it was something that you said about what you think about the question you ask yourself and I thought I heard that today so I heard that today because I read it so I was looking down I read the whole book while you were talking by the way no not really (laughs) just kidding (laughs) that's so funny read that do you have that quote pulled up again I want to hear it one more time I had to go find the name I had to go find the name of the person I was reading because I'd already gotten lost god that's such a good quote I know Ochoa's crazy hang on let me see if I can find it again while you're pulling that up by the way I bought a new Kindle did you really I did and for I, I don't I'm sure I've shared this somewhere. I I love reading books, but in my old age these days, I I like the book and whatnot, but sometimes it's a pain to to read that. And so I bought a new Kindle and I've been I my goal is to build a library and we're in a process. We literally bought a house with an extra room so we could do the library and it's it's in you know, it's in process and everything else. But so I I'm treating books, paper books as almost like collector items and then just reading on the Kindle right now. And it is, it's so nice because you can just, because the way I lay, I read in bed 99% of the time. And so leaning back, I, I sit at like, I lay back and just have like my head propped up and it's just awkward for lighting. But a Kindle, guess what? It's just always lit up for me and it's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's... That's exactly right. And then, you know, like like today, I mean, I'm not, I already have the book. I carry it with me everywhere I go. So yep. when I'm sitting down, you know, of course I go and eat. And because I live, you know, I'm not, my husband passed away, so I'm kind of by myself. So when when I go and eat, I'll just sit there and start reading my Kindle. So I take it with me everywhere. I don't think that question exists anymore. <laughs> Oh, you don't got to find it. It's okay. It's okay. That's all right. She just says a question that she, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to her and see. Yeah. And see, maybe, and maybe I could do a, a twofer. Maybe we can get on craft and draft. Maybe teach me teacher, but I'd love to bring her on a uh, craft and draft. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be perfect. Yeah. She talks about both. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it would, it would be cool. Regardless. <laughs> 
Uh, for people who haven't read those, like I said, I haven't read her writing rhetorically ones, but her uh, reading rhetorically was uh, astounding, and I took a lot of things from that. So, uh, very useful. Jennifer Fletcher, not to be confused yeah. with Ralph. That'd be like I did a minute ago. I'm so sorry. That's so funny. No, Ralph is awesome. He he's amazing. He you know his early writing workshop book was really powerful, and he uh, he he's written a lot of books that are. That are great, and he he's just a great guy. I mean, he's he's one of the most really accessible people. But in any way, so back to grades. You know, I think we it it pays for us to talk about this since we're we've used this whole episode to talk about grades, which is fine. But our I think when we're having this conversation, I think it's 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 important to point out that the system of grading is broken. Right. And, mm-hmm. I, and anyone that looks at grades knows this. They can pass between a 70 and a 100, but they can fail between a 69 and a zero. I mean, right. right. It's just it. it the system itself is, is wrong. Um, and, and I think that's something that and I, I try to honor that, too. You know, we you know, teachers are in charge of their grade books. But as an admin team, you know, we sent reminders out to teachers as we were closing our nine weeks and said, hey, you know, we're not, we can't tell you what to do, obviously, but just think long and hard before you give a kid an average that's below a 50, even if they have an eight, right? <laughs> even it's just, you have to think long. And I have definitely given kids in my time below a 50 uh, because I genuinely thought that that was, it was going to help them in the long run because they, they needed something else. But, um, that that grading system and the system that we work in is kind of broken. And, you know, some people there's there's conversations in the educational spaces about, you know, moving away from grades and maybe going to pass fail. And, uh, you know, the, the pass fail conversation is interesting because people go, well, how do you know who's who's passing better? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you know who's at a higher tier? And I think that's actually I don't know if that's valid until you really get to like GPA level. Right until you're until you're right. really tracking that stuff, I don't think it matters uh, because some of that matters because it it affects scholarships, it affects you know college, it affects all kinds of things. But between elementary and middle school, I don't see any benefit, at least as I'm saying this right now, to to having any like kind of other than pass fail. I don't know. I mean, it, do you think there, there is a benefit to differentiating between if you pass with a 75 or an 85 before high school? No, that's what I was trying to tell that one teacher, you know, when I was at high school and I've done that, I mean, yeah. I've been at, I've taught at high school and I've coached at high school. And, you know, when you coach, you have to give them a, a, a grade, like a PE grade, right? And you've got some pretty smart kids that are on your team. Uh, but let's say they were late, and so you take five points off for being late one day. Well, so you give them a 95, and now their whole GPA is ruined, and they don't get that scholarship. So it's like, no. What does it matter? Did they make it to all the games that they played? Did they do? Yeah. So just give them a 100. What does it really matter? They participated every day. So the whole thing is I, I look at the writing in, in the same way. I didn't at first, 
But I can't tell you, I have probably ruined a few people's, especially when I was younger, because I started coach, I started teaching and coaching in high school when I was in my 20s, you think, you know. But my dad said something to me one time, and my dad's a math teacher, and, he, and they would always give him the students that nobody else could work with just because he could, he could get them to do stuff, which we've talked about this before. But one of his comments to me, talking about grading, because mom and dad, they both talked to me a lot about, and my aunts, you got, you got to understand, I grew up in a teaching family. So this is what we talked about at Christmas. This is what we talked about at Thanksgiving, except everybody was math, nobody and science. <laughs> I was on the only English reading person. Everybody else is science. So, but anyway, but one of the comments was that my dad had said was, are you so good at math and data collecting that you know exactly without a shadow of a doubt that that child deserved that 59? Do you really know? Are you really that good? And why not help them if you can help them? And so I've always taken that approach. And I think it's not that they're not learning. And I think you know that uh, last year, you know, because you were with me last year. But uh, I think my scores reflected that my students learned, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I just think that if you you got to trust, and you've said this a lot of times, you got to trust that process. You've got to trust that writing. Uh, the goal, like Linda Reeve talks about, I like that, and I'm going to add that. A hundred percent of my kids will will write at least three pages this week, 100% of them, 100% of, you know, will read, you know, this much every week. And and if they are, are as the um, uh, Donald and Miller, the 40 book a year goal or the 40 mm-hmm. book a semester goal, is it was a semester? All of a sudden I lost. I think it's a year. It's a year, right? So it's 40 books. So the whole thing is you set these goals for these students. You have them set those goals. The grades are going to get there, you know, and you give them credit everywhere you can. And so to me, at the, especially at the middle school level, um, failing, and, and there is there is evidence that when you fail and retain a student, it, all it does is sets them up for failure. And the thing is, is that success breeds success. So the more success or opportunities for that in my classroom that I can give them, as minuscule as some of it might be, just like, yay, today you sat in your seat. Woo-hoo! You know, we met our goal. <laughs> you didn't get up and disturb somebody. You know what I mean? But I mean, even if that's a goal, it doesn't matter. You got to celebrate every little bitty one because success will breed success. And that's that's really uh, my philosophy, and I and I do when I look at grades, I think they're arbitrary, and I think that they're a necessity only in the sense that I have to make my administration happy, and I have to make my state happy because I've got student. We've got a law that students have to pass in order to play. Now, if I've got students that you, you asked a question earlier about zeros, should you ever give a child a zero? I want to rephrase that question. And my question is, should a child ever keep a zero? Because I'm going to put, if I don't put a zero in the grade book, because this is how our culture understands mm-hmm. education. So for a parent to get alarmed, if I just put missing and I don't put a grade in there, 
They don't get that alarmed. But when I put that zero and that 100 test grade average drops to a 50 test grade average, because I put that zero in, it gives them a sense of urgency. I said, Joe, what are we going to do? Now, so my, my philosophy is don't ever let them keep a zero. So you put the zero in for the urgency, and then you teach them what a zero really means. And then you help them get out of that hole, if you will, that they've created for themselves. And so that's really how I handle uh, my grades. I, I'm not tied. I am, I'm, I'm not that good of a mathematician to tie myself to a 68. If they've got a 68, then I'm going to move them up. I, if they've got a 30, they're going to get a 60. I'm sorry, but I'm just, a fa- they're going to fail, right? Yep. But especially at the beginning of the year, if I, and nobody tells me what to do. This is just me just over the years. Is it really that important? What's important? What's important is for them to learn the content. To me, that's what's most important. However, it might take us all the way to the very end of the year, and they finally, all of a sudden, the light clicks on, and they go, my gosh, I now know how to do this. And that happens sometimes, because everybody learns at a different pace. Mm-hmm. But when I look at uh, when I look at it over the years, uh, I'm going to figure out a way to help that child get up to a 60, because if I fail them below a 50, actually, anywhere 60 or below, usually in the 50 range and below, if they fell at the beginning of the year with that, we're done. There's nothing to work for because all they see is, why try? I can't do it anyway. So you just want to give them enough carrot that, hey, it's just a few points. I got to do is turn in these two assignments. Let's go. Let's go. And the next thing you know, okay, you're almost there. You still have one more assignment to do, and you're encouraging them rather than, hammering them well and i think uh my only last point for anyone who's curious and you know angela who emailed us and whatnot is uh you know look at if you're if you are trying to figure out how to do grades and workshop look at ask yourself and this is this can be different for every teacher look at what you do and go what can i get a grade for that's representative of what they're doing in workshop Exactly. And, you know, if if you can, if you have the flexibility to kind of push some of the more traditional versions of grades off to the side, then do it. We were able to where we worked and you still are, but we also had some things that we couldn't. You know, we had to have a certain amount of daily grades. We had a certain amount of test grades. Our test had to look a certain way. That stuff we couldn't control, but we could control the other 60% of what our grades look like. And so regardless of your limitations or freedoms, look at what you're doing and go, what can I grade that's actually representative of their effort and their work? And then just see what happens. And I guarantee that when you start finding ways to give kids higher grades because of their efforts and really work with kids on that, they will do more work. I just I I mm-hmm. I've just seen it happen so many times. I've seen the 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 most dejected, jaded, uh, distracted kids become invested in workshop because it's the one place where they feel successful. It's the one place where they don't feel judged because of their lack of ability and they feel encouraged. And yeah, sometimes student language comes out and they're like, oh, this is the easy class, right? <laughs> they'll they'll have that, but it's but it's not. It's the fact that they're 
they're doing so much. And honestly, I don't care if they think my class is easy as long as they're doing the work, right? I could care less. I'm not, I don't want to be the hard class. I don't even want to be the easy class. I don't want to be any of those things. I want to be what gets kids excited to come to my space and do the work that we're doing in our, in, in our classroom. But in any case, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Craft the Draft. That's Pebble Jump, Jacob Chastain. We're two educators down here in the state of Texas. Loving what we do, talking about workshop. If you love talking about workshop as well, join us. You can do that in a several ways. You can subscribe, show us any podcast, drop on every single Friday. You can join us on Patreon and get bonus episodes no one else hears, training no one else sees, and a bunch of other perks and so much more. We're just we're just now beginning. Our goal is to get five more patrons, and then we'll start regular Zoom hangouts for all of us to come together, talk shop, and just enjoy each other's company. No strings attached. We come. Maybe you have a problem you want to bring in. Maybe you have a frustration. Maybe you just want to talk to like-minded teachers. Maybe we can chat about uh, the House of Dragons, because I know all of y'all are watching the sequel to Game of Thrones, just like I am. <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, come back next week for another fantastic episode. If you have a question... Send it to us just like Angela did. We spent a whole episode. We actually had a different plan for this podcast, but we started talking about grades as we do. Sometimes we sit down and go, oh, let's talk about this. And then we'd get on a tangent. We spend an hour talking about a question. So if you're the lucky one to send a question in, we might spend a whole podcast about it. We might just answer it in a few bite size. And again, if you're someone who listens to us and wants to help us track all the questions <laughs> that we've done, we should have done this from the beginning. But if you want to go back and help us, that would be absolutely wonderful reach out to us whether you're a patron patron supporter or not uh and we will see what we can do for you for your time and effort uh but we really want to make a list of that so if that's you and you want to help us out that'd be wonderful if not then just leave a review let us know how we're doing and come back next week and as always let's know that we are here for you